This will be a very interesting show. We have Timberwolves hope. We have a Timberwolves winning streak. We have all kinds of interesting and strange things happening with the franchise. But I got to start here, John. Tom Thibodeau. What hmm. did we hear from Steve Terry during Tom Thibodeau's entire tenure in Minnesota? I'm sitting there and all I can see is Tom Thibodeau's back. He didn't say back, but I'm extrapolating here. Uh, <laughs> Tom Thibodeau sat down during an NBA game last night and the New York Knicks have an eight game winning streak. I don't know how to react to any of this. What's down is up. What's up is down. Have no idea what's going on over there in New York. They're, they've played a little bit of a soft schedule, but the win sure. over the Warriors was legit. Um, and it's funny because uh, there was probably about a month ago, I think all of the seeds were being planted for a Tibbs firing. And now here we are, and they are the hottest team in the league. They've figured some things out. They're playing some defense. And if Tibbs is sitting down in an NBA game, that is as close to Nirvana as you're ever going to get with a coach on your basketball team because he just never, ever does that. So that's telling you that that things are going right in New York right now. And he never yelled ice. He never once yelled <laughs> ice. I'm, I don't know if that's true. I'm just going to say it because it sounds funny. All right, let's get to the Timberwolves. Winning streak, a winning streak without Cat and Gobert. Uh, they have obviously determined, John, that the key to success is not having two big men on the court. It's having zero big men on the court. That's right. Yeah, I, I think that's the, they're, they're pivoting, I think, is what yes. you call that in the pivoting business, right? To, to uh, just, a, just a slightly different model. And... <laughs> Now things are are great. Uh, I, we will look at the opponents again here. Um, I think the Bulls are a real mess. I think Dallas is a, a mini mess. And so you got to take that into account. But it is notable when you watch them play how different they look and how much fun it is to watch them play right now because the first six, eight weeks of the season – um, while they were working through and trying to acclimate to this new too big style, it was not fun to watch. It was plodding and slow and frustrating. And now you have Nas Reed, you have Ant going off, and you have a, a, a smaller, sleeker team. And um, it has been just an incredible difference these last three games. And really, the last couple of weeks here, you've seen them play a different style, and it's it's very notable right now. That's all we can say about that. So obviously, the path forward here is trade Cat and Gobert yeah. for Pat Bev and Malik Beasley. There we go. I think that's the that's the perfect thing. We've solved all of their issues is to make those trades and um, and just move forward. And um, and I think the Lakers would take Cat for for Pat Bev, don't you? So um, I don't know. Maybe 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 if the Wolves threw in a draft pick or two, threw in a threw in a second round pick at least because yeah. we don't have any other firsts. Um, right. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's. I mean, in all seriousness, um, it, the, there will be a challenge whenever it does happen. Um, for the Wolves to reincorporate because we can kind of joke about this and have fun with it, but the reality is is that they have incredibly talented players who are not in right now, and they just have to find a way to make that work with those incredibly talented players because I do believe, I still do believe that the ceiling is much higher with Rudy and Kat. It's just that the floor is higher without them right now. And, and so the question will become, it's, I, I, I think that 
there will be a, a situation where not only are the Wolves going to have to sort of compromise and change things when Cat and Rudy go back, but Cat and Rudy are going to have to change themselves a little bit. They have to see the difference that is being made right now with the way that these guys are playing and maybe try to move a little bit more toward that. So maybe it won't be as wide open as it is right now, but it can't be as clunky and as slow as it was when those two guys were in it. There's got to be, if if they can split the middle a little bit on that, maybe they'll be onto something. So much to get to. I want to talk about Nas. I want to talk about Rivers. I want to talk about uh, Finch, the offense, uh, Ant playing point guard, basically. It's it's some remarkable where we are right now. When nobody envisioned this lineup or this success with this lineup, at this point, let's uh, hey, let's introduce the show. John Krasinski show. He's John Krasinski from The Athletic. I'm Jim Suhan from The Star Tribune. Brandon Morton is our longtime producer here at TalkNorth.com. Check out TalkNorth.com for our Viking shows, for our many hockey shows, uh, for Cheryl Reeve, for Roy Smalley, Lavelle Neal, John Millay. Uh, you can hear John Krasinski also on the Viking Update show, which has been a blast, obviously, of late. You can hear Jeff Diamond, the former Vikings general manager. Uh, we have Dave Lee of WCCO fame. We have Mike Grimm, the Go Gopher podcast host. We have outdoor content. Check it all out at talkhorth.com. Best way to listen to any show you like, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It is free. It is easy. Thank you to our sponsors, TSR Injury Law, 612-TSR Time, All Energy Solar, Head Flyer Brewing, and Manscaped. Uh, so, God, I have so much I want to talk about. Let's start here. Um uh, Luca gets shut down. Luca didn't get shut down by anybody. He can get a shot off against anybody, and Jaden McDaniel shut him down. He's been terrific against Luca historically, Jim. Um, he his length really bothers Luca. He can move his feet very quickly, which uh, is a problem for Luca. And I, I do think Luca is not quite fully healthy, so um, maybe there's a little bit of a, a something that has slowed him down that way as well. But when you watched Jaden on Monday night, he was always in the right place. And the key with that is that he was not picking up the little touch fouls that are often whistled. And sometimes he earns them with undisciplined reaches and, and, and things like that. And then there are sometimes where he gets a, a, a tight whistle that probably is unfair for the kind of defender that he is, but that wasn't happening on Monday night against Dallas and that allowed Jaden to be a little bit more physical to get up in his grill and you could see as the game went on Luca get more frustrated the Mavericks just in general sort of wilt um, a little bit in that game and when Luca got thrown out there was a big smile on Jaden McDaniel's face and I talked to him after the game about that a little bit and Jaden took a lot of pride in Luca losing his cool to get ejected. I think the ejection was probably uh, too quick, but he at least earned one of those uh, technicals, if not both of them. And Jaden really felt like he had a big factor in that. And that was, I think, something that he enjoyed even more than the huge dunk that he had, um, more than the three couple threes that he hit, is that he really climbed into Luca's psyche and and rattled him. And, and that is the weapon that the Timberwolves have with Jaden McDaniels when he is right, when he is not fouling. Um, there are very few teams that have someone that can at least make Luka Doncic work 
for his for his offense um as much as Jaden McDaniels does. It's um it it's a joy to watch. It is so fun to see them go at each other. And um the only time that Luca looked like Luca in that first game against Dallas was when he was able to orchestrate a couple of switches onto Jalen Noel and then had like back to back really good possessions. But other than that, it was Jaden McDaniels in Luca's shirt the whole way and um and really did as good of a job as you could ever ask for against a player that is just one of the very, very best in the league. I have really buried the lead almost as if I'm uh, imitating a Patrick Royce column. Um, uh, Anthony Edwards playing point guard has been spectacular. It's been the the whole difference, Jim. Um, You know, when you look at, here's what I would say to, a lot of Wolves fans right now who are nervous about what this team is going to look like when Towns and Gobert come back. I do think when you put Towns back at the four, there are going to be some defensive issues that may be very difficult to work through, and they'll have to try and figure something out to make that work. But offensively, I'm not really all that concerned about the two of them coming back because I think that this switch from Edwards as the off guard to Edwards on the ball is sort of the panacea for everything that ails the wolves offensively. Um, He is embracing that role, which he did not do last year. He didn't like being on the ball last year. He didn't want that responsibility. Now he wants it. Now he enjoys it. And the gravity that he commands with the ball in his hands, bringing two people to him in general, number one, and then his ability to see the open pass and move the ball as quickly as he is doing it is remarkable. Um, This is a young kid, 21 years old, who has no doubts at all about his scoring ability and his ability to get to the rim and hit shots and things like that. But what we were waiting to see when he makes for him to make the leap, quote unquote, uh, in his third year is how do you get your teammates involved? How do you become a playmaker and a creator? And the Wolves have switched D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards roles, essentially. And Edwards is really taking that over. And you're seeing kind of the cross-court skip passes. You're seeing the the penetration and finding guys in traffic. You're seeing little pocket bounce passes um, that we just did not see earlier this season and certainly earlier in his career. And so his ability to dissect the defense and see what's coming and make the right plays, I think is just an enormous boost for what this offense can become he is kind of morphing into more of a Luca more of a James Harden type of style of play and the key for Edwards now is to not make it just heliocentric right on him but he's doing it and also keeping his teammates super involved Um, and so that's just such a huge thing life is so much easier for D'Angelo Russell right now because of it. And that I think gives me 
the most optimism about what this team can be this year than anything else that we have seen is the way that he has sort of acclimated and really embraced that role as a lead playmaker. It's just huge for his development and for this team in general. So when Cat and Gobert come back, I'm going to oversimplify things. Tell me if I'm on the right track or not. <clears throat> to me, you put Cat in the corner. He's one of your. Be- he might be your best three point shooter. Uh, you give him the shortest, easiest three point shot available. You make defenders choose between helping out in the lane or covering him way out there on the wing, uh, knowing that if you kick to him, he's also good enough that he can drive it if he gets closed out on. And you have Gobert. Go, to me, Gobert's got to stay a little farther away from the basket, at least starting out in the half-course set, so he's not he doesn't have a big defender standing under the rim waiting for Anthony Edwards. Right, yeah. I think, like, um, so at the start of the season, it was clear that the Timberwolves were really bending over backward to get Rudy Gobert involved in more actions and kind of, like, really feed him and show him that a they valued him as an offensive player and that he had more to show than as an offensive player than what he did in Utah. Um, and I don't even necessarily think that was the wrong thing to do. Like I, I, I understand why they went about it that way. And then you use cat in kind of more of that role that he was in last year where he was, you know, out, um, on the perimeter, pump faking and driving, really making a lot of plays that way. And, um, and, and and you could just see like everyone was, it was too much responsibility for everyone to have. And so I think what you, what they need to do to do is consolidate the responsibility for now and make it a little bit more streamlined, which is means that Rudy Gobert becomes much more Jared Vanderbilt-like as an offensive player right now, kind of lurking around in the dunker spot, making little cuts to the basket, setting screen after screen after screen, and maybe attacking the offensive glass the way that Vanderbilt did. Um, Less of the dribble handoff actions, less of the... Um, you know, get the ball at the elbow and 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 kind of turn around and and try and do, make a couple of moves, and more just simplified. Just get your table scraps right now, and 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 see how that goes. With Cat, uh, Chris Finch has already said that maybe it's time to look at putting him more in the corner. And I think they worried about him being in the corner as sort of like it really taking away from a lot of his offensive gifts. But I think that when you when you picture how often the ball has found the corner and it's either Kyle Anderson, maybe it's Austin Rivers who's shooting better now but was really struggling earlier and I'm sure will kind of uh, level out a little bit um, after this latest hot streak. And they were kind of clanking uh, those, those open looks. Cat is one of the best shooters in the league period, not just one of the best big man shooters. And so to have him in that spot, I think that that increases the efficiency of this offense. And it really forces the defense to stretch out to that corner even more, which opens things up more for Anthony Edwards to probe, to get to the rim for D'Angelo Russell to come off screens, hit that elbow jumper. That's that's falling at a ridiculous rate right now. And just makes things a little bit more open and breathes more space into the offense. 
That's what Chris Finch has said has been so different uh, of late is just the space that's available to them. And so there is going to have to be some compromises from Cat, from Rudy, assuming that we still see you know this team continue to play so well without them to, to just kind of fit in more rather than be the guys that are sort of driving the, the bus. And that doesn't mean that that has to be the case always or forever, but it, I do think if you start it that way and start having some success, then you just keep adding things on and adding things on and, and putting wrinkles in to combat whatever the defense is throwing at them. And that will might be a little bit uh, easier way for this team to build confidence, to build an identity, and to really understand what each other's roles are. Because there's like four guys on this roster that at the start of the season all wanted major roles or all thought they had major roles, and that's just too much. And so streamline it, consolidate it, and then just see what you have maybe after a couple of weeks of that. Once again, it's been a fascinating season, not always in a good way. I think it's going to continue to be a fascinating season. Hey, remember this, 612-TSR time. 612-TSR time. If you're injured, just call that number. They'll take good care of you. Uh, They're good people. They win a ridiculous percentage of their cases. Uh, they they know how to do this. They've built their business uh, on the on the strength of their ability to litigate against powerful people that you would not want to take on without them. 612-TSR-TIME. If you're injured, call that number. I also want to thank Headflyer Brewing. We had the Cheryl Reeve Show, our combination of our Cheryl Reeve Show and Lori Ramsey's Winter Wear Drive at Headflyer Brewing last week. It was a blast. You can still, if, if you'd like to donate uh, to the cause. We we are still trying to get to our goal. Uh, I'll be donating later today. If you can, just Google Cheryl Reeve Show and it'll pop up where you can donate and we would really appreciate it. But thanks so much to Headflyer Brewing. John, tell us a little more about Headflyer Brewing. Yeah, they, they have some uh, really good uh, new beers on tap right now that you can go in and check out. Uh, I said last week that maybe you want to go in and drown your sorrows with some of their beers with how the Timberwolves are playing. Maybe now you want to just go in and celebrate a little bit and have some fun, watch a game, and enjoy yourself actually watching this team with a great beer in front of you. They have a Kingfield Coffee Porter, a collaboration with their friends at 5 Watt, which is right next door, to add a unique twist to a classic porter by blending cold-pressed coffee, milk sugar, sea salt, and vanilla beans. They also have, in the spirit of the season, a mint chocolate factory. Step into the mint chocolate factory and be greeted with a smooth pastry stout brewed with decadent mint, chocolates, uh, rich, dark, and creamy. This beer is sure to be an indulgent treat. So both of these are on tap in the tap room and in 16-ounce cans at liquor stores throughout the metro area. So when you stop into your local liquor store to try and uh, maybe uh, fortify the reserves for this big snowstorm that's coming in so you have something to do, look for some Head Flyer Brewing, some Kingfield Coffee Porter, some Mint Chocolate Factory, and uh, keep yourself warm on a cold winter's night. The Inflation Reduction Act has raised the federal solar investment tax credit from 26 to 30%. That is unexpected, and it is a great thing if you are interested in solar. The rebate includes solar power with a battery backup. There may be additional solar incentives depending on the location of the property. Solar property with battery backup can keep your lights on and heat running when a summer or winter storm hits. This is very timely, of course. Solar and electric vehicles are the perfect 
repair. Kick fossil fuels to the curb at home and on the road by using solar to power your EV at home or provide it as a service to your business, employees, and customers. Now is a great time to secure your spot for next year's installation. Next year's almost here. Might want to act soon. According to some studies, one in four homeowners want to invest in solar within the next five years, but the grid has limited capacity. Grab your opportunity while you can before someone else does. Check out All Energy Solar, allenergysolar.com. And now for the world-famous and locally infamous John Krasinski Manscaped commercial. Tis the season for clean balls. Fa la 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 la. Can we la, say la, this la. this close to the holidays? I mean, I, I think I have to now. Where okay. I mean, we're so close that I kind of got to do it. It's flowing through me at this point. Our friends at Manscaped are helping you clean your driveway for safe travels this holiday season. From stocking stuffers to white elephants, Manscaped's products at the top are at the top of everybody's wish list. Grab some crop mops for your pops or the body buffer for the holiday lover. Win this year's white elephant gift and help all the men in your life go from eggnog to nice hog this December by going to manscaped.com and using the code ATHLETIC for 20% off and free shipping. Manscaped is a one-stop shop for all your holiday needs. They have the perfect gift in the Platinum Package 4.0, plus loads of little presents perfect for stocking stuffers. What better holiday gift than giving the gift of good hygiene and a few laughs? Manscaped offers a handful of their liquid formulations, shampoos, body washes, upstairs and downstairs deodorant, gels, exfoliants, absolutely everything they could need to keep it clean. Don't let their chestnuts roast in the wrong boxers. Get them a pair of Manscapes boxers, especially made to keep the area cool and provide holiday comfort all year round. And now that you've gifted them perfect privates, go beyond the grown with Manscapes full body product line. Dad has nasty nose hairs? Save his life with the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer. The Shears 2.0 is their full kit to nail care with scissors, clippers, tweezers, and a file for the traveling man. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code athletic at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using the code athletic. How good is Nas Reed and how can he fit in when the other bigs are back? Well, so uh, that's definitely two very different questions and answers because one is he's really good. Um, He's very, very skilled. Uh, he had, he can put it on the floor. He can shoot it from outside. He works his butt off. He is one of the most consistent energy guys on this roster and really just brings it night in and night out. So um, when you look at what he does that way, it really helps. He can also pass the ball well and makes quick decisions. There's not a lot of holding the ball, dribbling the air out of it. He gets it and he either moves it or he drives. It's... um. It's pretty fun to watch him play, and I think he is fun to play with. Um, now, the he does his most damage playing center against smaller centers, and there's a lot of those in the league. So I do believe that he can be a very successful player in this league most nights. Uh, there's going to be a couple of bad matchups for him when they, they when when a team has a really big dude that can move, but in general, he fits the bill really well. Now. What happens when the two big guys come back? That is a much more difficult issue. They have been trying to play him at power forward with um, Gobert, with Cat sometimes, and that has not been very successful. So the key would be to him being able to sort of 
kind of reinvent or keep his impact going, playing more minutes at the four than at the five. And we just haven't seen that as consistently yet. It doesn't mean it can't happen, but it would be, it, it'd be more difficult. Then you also have Kyle Anderson, Torian Prince will be back. So there's going to be a bit of a log jam in the front court when both of those guys get back. And that makes the pathway for Nas having more meaningful minutes and longer, more extended time to be much more difficult. Um, and so how Chris Finch navigates that eventually, because I still think we're several weeks away from Carl Anthony Towns being back. So um, there's going to be time for Nas to get plenty of plenty of his own run at, at, at spots where he does his most damage. But for the long haul, assuming they keep Nas Reed, that is the one thing where you look at and you say, hey, we just might not have enough playing time. And that's where you'd hate to say it, but they might have to look at a trade because Nas is so valuable um, that you could get something for for him to better balance the roster. I would not like to see him go. I think he's really, really talented. But that's something that they're going to have to weigh as the trade deadline gets gets closer. Trade deadline, good Lord. After all the, all the roster movement we've seen in the last eight months or something, there's potential for more deal. I would assume that the, the Wolves are going to value uh, cohesiveness over, over incoming talent at this point. Yeah, I, I think so, um, definitely. But the, the question will be, and that's going to be in February, so they'll ha- I think they'll have a really good idea of where they are at that point, but w- it, will they still have the cohesiveness is right. the thing. Like that, that is... The, the the start of this season was very non-cohesive or uncohesive. I don't know what the right uh, thing to, way to 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 um, characterize it is, but um, right now cohesion is beautiful. Like everyone's playing well together. Everyone really enjoys each other. You can be in the locker room and you can feel everyone having some confidence and energy. That's awesome. Um, but wh- when everyone comes back and when there is are they going to be able to keep this cohesion going? That's going to be the key. And if they can't, that's what would prompt a deal. But if they do, and if everyone kind of falls in line and, and gets going with the good vibes of it, maybe, um, you know, maybe, maybe it won't be much of an issue at all. And then they will stand pat for the most part, because they don't have a whole lot of um, assets to move to make significant deals. So it could be just a tweak here or there, or, they could stay on path. There's still a long time to go before they have to make that decision. Uh, no doubt about it. And let's get back to what I think is the overarching theme of the Western Conference. Nobody's running away with anything. Uh, the yes. Wolves have been allowed to struggle along and, you know, I mean, they're 16 and 15. They're on a winning streak, but they're 16 and 15. Uh, you could consider that a disappointment consider uh, when compared to preseason expectations. But at the moment, we're sitting here, they are three and a half games out of first place in the Western Conference. They're one game out of the sixth playoff seed behind the Sacramento Kings, who nobody thinks are world beaters. Uh, they haven't lost anything. They haven't. That That is the key here, and that was one of the things – that I was just trying to get Timberwolves fans to grasp while it was going really poorly. Um, the the good news for them is that even when it was going really poorly, they were not five or six games under 500. They were 
um, figuring things out. They were muddling through and they were always lingering around 500. Um, and then you looked above them and everyone above them was going to, was beating up on each other. And so no one is pulling away with this conference. Um, and I think that's going to be it the way this goes all year long, Jim. I mean, maybe Memphis is kind is, is might, might be the one candidate that really pulls away into a number one seed and distances distances itself, but everyone else has flaws um it will go on streaks where they win four or five in a row and then will drop you know five of eight and and come back to earth and 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 so even if you can't get up to the one seed which i don't think even the most optimistic wolves fans were saying that that was a super likely scenario that they were going to be going for a one seed but that four seed is um two and a half games away they are two and a half games away from the Suns at, in the four seed. Like that's insane. Um, and 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 so this is going to be the way that it is the whole way. So as long as they can avoid the real dips and droughts that put them back, you know, maybe seven or eight games behind that middle of the pack, they're right in this while they work through all of their stuff. And if they can find a footing and find their identity with everyone and start to play maybe up to the potential of their entire starting five, which is a very um, high bar, then they can make moves and get up right into the thick of things. So it's all right there for them if they can kind of start to work through it. And and the real interesting part is that they're, they're about to go on a bit of a gauntlet. Um, from a from a schedule making from a schedule standpoint and so that's going to be a real test to see if they can stay afloat during this really difficult stretch of games that are coming up uh, but it but they're they're not buried by any stretch of the imagination they are right in this thing right now a couple of league notes uh Jokic is just I oh. mean I know he was great but he just keeps doing things that just very few people in the history of the league have done I mean that that one line where he had forty some points and twenty seven rebounds, um, and you know you talk about what an MVP is, and he's won two in a row, which makes it very difficult for him to win a third one. But um, do you see how the Nuggets completely fall apart without him on the floor? And then when he is on the floor, they are world beaters, and that is the definition of an MVP. Like he does everything for them, especially from an offensive standpoint. And he shoots it unbelievably efficiently. He scores, he rebounds, he passes. He's he is the best passer in the in the NBA. Um just a remarkable, remarkable player that play that sees the game at a level that very, very few players see it at. It's uh it's so fun to watch. Phoenix Suns are going to sell for $4 billion. Uh, the NBA is a remarkable success story. Yes. I, and I mean, you know, th- these franchises are, there are very few and far between. Um, and, and so they are never been more valuable because of the way that they appreciate in value. And uh, with the new TV deals coming in, with the revenue that is being generated, um, it's, it, it is remarkable. Uh, the Suns have been a good team for a long time, but certainly not a Lakers 
kind of a Celtics, you know, uh, kind of marquee franchise, and they're still going to go for four billion. Uh, he, the, I can tell you what. After that, uh, you know, you know that Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez are going to finish their mm-hmm. transaction with the Timberwolves with Glenn Taylor because of the incredible value that they got uh, for one point five, one point six billion dollar valuation of the Wolves. And to think about the where the upward trajectory is of that investment, uh, it's it's the sky's the limit for for them. And so I I just really think that they're going to do everything they can to finish that deal and put themselves in a position to just make a boatload of money um, in in terms of just overall valuation when they secure that franchise. Think about the people who wanted to buy the Minnesota Timberwolves who weren't smart or savvy enough to go eat the damn lasagna and get the deal done at the kitchen table. Well, and, and it's also like, yes, eat the lasagna and do it that way, but also just say, Hey, here's 2 billion. Right. Right. Because you know, it's going to be worth 2.5 or three when you can get a stadium done, when you can, when you, and it's just going to grow like, like splash the pot and offer the, you know, instead of like nickel and diming and saying, no, it is this, like look forward a little bit and understand where this league, where these valuations of franchises are going and say, I'm overpaying. That's what Steve Ballmer did for the Clippers. When he, when he bought the Clippers, it was like, why is he paying that much for the Clippers? Because he knew that once you get your hands on that asset and now he's building his arena and, and the new TV deals and all of that, He's going to double his investment in no time at all because of the incredible value that these franchises have and how few and how scarce they are and how hard it is to get your hands on one. So um, that's that that I, I was always a little surprised at that is like, well, why wouldn't a smart guy come in or a smart woman come in with a group and say, Glenn, we know you want one point five. Here is. $2 billion. Take it right now. There's not going to be any succession plan. This is the way it's going to be. Say no to $2 billion. And I I can't imagine that he would have. No, no. Hey, good stuff from John. Uh, this team's going to be a blast to watch. It's just, it, they have so many, there are just so many stories. I mean, we're sports writers, so we look for storylines. There are so many existing storylines. There are so many potential storylines. They're going to be in the mix no matter what they do. Uh, so, hey, thanks for, to everyone for listening to the John Krasinski Show. Check out the uh, Viking Update show as well. Check out all the shows at talkworth.com, and we will talk to you next week.